Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the video game podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tam, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Zach Clark. So Zach, we're getting to the tail end of 2020 and there's games falling out of everywhere. They're falling out of the sky, they're coming out of the ground, there's probably some deep dark caves you can go into and find some legendary games if you dare to do so. Uh, What are you looking forward to in the next two months? Well, I can tell you what I'm looking forward to right now, which is doing another podcast with you, Dave. I mean, wait, no, Dave? Why am I saying Dave? Do we have a guest? Maybe we do. We have a guest? Yep. That that, that wasn't on my agenda. Did did he bring a cartridge by any chance? I did. I've got one right here. Do you want to just give it a blow right now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Whoa, that was that was some solid blowing right there. Expert level. Look, you, you gotta you gotta blow it hard to get it to to work. So, yeah, that was some hardcore blowing. Well, as you can now tell, we have uh, another guest this week. Uh, our, our good friend Dave from back in the uh, another castle Aussie Nintendo days. Dave, how how are you hanging? Yeah, good man. Uh, great to be on the show. Um, I love what you guys have done so far. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't listened to every episode, but from from what I've what I've listened to, you guys are doing a really good job. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of honoured that you, you guys invited me back to to have a chat. Oh, we're honoured to have you on, since you were really one of the impetuses to why we started this in the first place. Oh, you're too kind. <laughs> So we just blew. Well, you just blew your cartridge. Can you tell us what it is for this week? It's a uh, Donkey Kong sixty four. Oh, but it's um <laughs> uh, the cartridge. The cartridge I've got for you this week is um console launches, as we've got uh you know the new consoles launching in a week from now, as uh, at the time of recording this podcast anyway. Yeah. So by the time this podcast airs and the few and people are listening to it, I'm sure. A number of you will be diving deeply into your Xbox Series X or your PS5, but console launches are a phenomenon that I think we all look forward to as gamers because it always heralds in a new generation of hardware, a new generation of software, and hopefully a new generation of how we play games. But honestly, I've I personally have found this current upcoming generation sort of not that compelling. I I don't find myself as excited as I have in previous generations. I, if I recall, if I look back and into the deep recesses of my memory and remember the keenness I had when the Nintendo GameCube had, the sort of awe I had when the PS3 and 360 released, even though I didn't get those consoles, there, there was always that excitement, that hype, and it's just not there for me this year. What, what, what do you two think? Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of in a similar boat. And we can probably delve into why a bit later on in the in the show, but um, yeah, I mean, compared to some of the previous gens, like it, it don't, I don't feel the wow factor yet uh, for either of the two new ones. You know, I, I remember even though you said I didn't get a three hundred and sixty or a PS three at launch, you know, seeing like the HD graphics uh, was super exciting. And on the flip side, the Wii didn't have the graphics, but it had things like motion controls, and there's all this sort of you know hype and uh, excitement about the new tech, whereas. Uh, at least for me, this time around, it, it it's not as apparent what the new tech is going to mean for games, and I think that's a big reason why I'm not as hyped as I have been in previous gens. Um, how about you, Dave? Yeah, they haven't really done a great job to show off why 
why we should get these new consoles over over the current ones because I mean for one like all the new games coming out you can play them on PS4 Xbox One um, I haven't been convinced like uh, that it's going to really play much better or you know be more enjoyable on on these new platforms and I mean the games are really where it's at you can you can talk about all the other little features and the, the biggest storage and you know but at the end of the day, if I can still play the games on the ones I've got, and we're talking about a seven hundred dollar purchase, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a really like really big point about this generation for for me at least. There's just there's very little in the way of like exclusive games just for these new systems. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple, but um, you know, Microsoft was saying for for a while now that they're all about this cross gen. You know, Halo was going to be on Xbox One and series x as well and then even sony i mean i i was shocked when i heard that like horizon is also going to be on ps4 i was you know i thought that was going to be a uh you know 2021 sort of flagship ps5 sort of showcase and uh maybe it still look great on ps5 and, and run even better but the fact that that's on ps4 spider-man's on ps4 really really hard to sort of get excited about buying a, a new system at this point in time and it really takes away the shine from buying a new piece of hardware, doesn't it? Because if we look beyond video games, there's all, and you look at tech in general, there's always a reason to buy a new product. Whereas, oh, you're going to buy a 4K television to watch movies in better resolution, or you're going to buy a better sound system to get better quality sound. Whereas, it seems in the short term for these consoles that yes, they are more powerful consoles, like more powerful hardware, but you can just play the games on previous consoles and probably not have that much of a difference in your experience and your enjoyment. And similarly, we're in a we've reached a situation in gaming where PC gaming is basically on parity with consoles now. There's not really that many console exclusives outside of well, Nintendo and Sony published games now because well, all the Microsoft published games are now same day releases on PC. So it seems that video game consoles have become in some ways less about the games and more about being entertainment hubs where you you watch Netflix, you stream movies, you stream video and you play games as well and it's still an easier way to do it than a PC but it lacks that unique factor. It's definitely more about convenience now, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, for me personally, I I might eventually get an Xbox uh, series, whatever letter at the, at the point in time that I buy one. Um, but to me, yeah, it's about that convenience factor of like, I'm going to, these days I play mostly on the TV um, and I just don't really want to set up a PC there. But uh, if I was still mostly playing in my room or my desktop um, as I was, you know, five or six years ago, <laughs> yeah, why would I buy an Xbox? I'd I'd just download uh, everything on my, on my computer and play it there. Going on a bit of a tangent, quick briefly, and back to one of the topics we discussed in our first episode, Zach, do you think that the lack of E3 and the lack of major video game events have impacted the hype for these consoles? Because I think a lot of people are hyped for these consoles, don't get us wrong. I think there's a lot, pre-orders were through the roof, they all sold out. You won't be able to get one for the rest of the year if you tried unless you pay a scouter, but there just seems to be something missing. Uh, yeah, I almost wonder if that's more to do with us, though, than, than anything. I, I wonder if it's just 
due to our personal gaming tastes and what we seek out of games, which is why maybe us little group of three of us aren't that excited. Because um, you are right, when you look at the numbers, it sounds like they've, you know, done a great job at selling out at least their first few shipments globally for, for both the Xbox and the PS5. And there does seem to be a fervor around them. You know, the, the unboxing videos are coming out from media and that kind of stuff, and they're getting some good numbers on, on YouTube or on uh, sites. So there's definitely a desire and a want for these new consoles. I'm curious to see, though, how that shapes out in the next few months, because, you know, I, I worked retail at the time of the last uh, big console launches, so like the Wii U, <laughs> um, <laughs> Xbox One, and the PS4. And like, you know, if you were going by day one, even the Wii U looked like it was going to be a success, uh, probably even in the first two or three weeks, because uh, I think they all had you know, sort of Christmas time, November launches. It was really in January, February, March that you sort of started to say, okay, PS4 is still very hard to get a hold of, doing quite well. Uh, whereas Xbox and um, and the Wii U even more so completely became quite readily available. And uh, you sort of, I get started to get a real sense of how excited the, the broader public were for these, um, for these devices. And I reckon that'll be the same here. I, I reckon we'll we'll be curious to see, you know, how both of these are selling in, uh, you know, sort of by March next year. Out of interest for both of you, what was there like a turning point for when you decided, no, nah, you know, I'm not interested in going in day one with these two particular systems, or were you never likely to to go in day one on them? It's a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't think there was a. Sp- specific point i was just sort of waiting to be grabbed by either one money is always is always an issue when it comes to launches like do i really want to spend that much at launch when you know i could wait a couple years for a price drop um everyone thinks about that everyone thinks about um yeah do do i need it now or is it still going to be the same experience for me in a, a few years time i'm probably jumping ahead here but the only way I can sort of relate that question is that I kind of regret not getting on Nintendo Switch at launch because I missed out on that whole hype for Splatoon 2. I still haven't played Breath of the Wild. Um, and so... <laughs> wow. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, but if I had got it at launch, I, I would have played and really enjoyed those games. So I still played Splatoon 2, but by the time I got on, everyone was getting off, so... Yeah, there was no specific point, but there was no specific point I jumped on, so I'm just not getting one. At least, at least not for the first year, maybe. Yeah, I think personally I'm a bit of a video game partisan in that if it was a Nintendo console launch we were talking about, whoa, I, I'd, I'd be day one, yeah. I'd be pre-ordering as soon as possible, no matter what it was, even if it was sort of a rock with an N insignia <laughs> on top of it. I'd, I'd still be there day one to get it just because Nintendo were putting it out. But that's not to say I don't buy other consoles. I, I own a PS4. I own a PS3. I borrowed a friend's Xbox 360 and I still have it to this day. But I think personally, I when it comes to other con- consoles that aren't Nintendo consoles, I am always inclined to wait for revisions. So the PS4 I have is a sl- PS4 Slim. Same for the PS3s. Well, those console makers particularly always release a revision that is noticeably superior to yep. 
the launch console. And and I guess the second factor to that is by the time you're two years into the lifespan of a Sony or Microsoft console, there's numerous amounts of games released. And unlike Nintendo games, they're generally pretty cheap to pick up secondhand, even new. You go down to JB Hi-Fi or EB Games, you can get significant, like major first-party releases for $20, $30. And you, you, you'll never say the same about Nintendo. So I agree with Dave. There is a price factor at play as well that, yes, I could go out and spend $700 on a PS5, but I'd, I'd feel like I wasn't getting value out of it. What, what's your take, Zach? Yeah, I mean, for full disclosure, I, I had a, a PS5 pre-order on Amazon up until that like, three days ago, <laughs> then I cancelled it. Uh, and what really drove me to cancel it was um, a few things. One, the games that are coming out at launch, while well, I'm sure are, are good, particularly Spider-Man was probably the one I'm the most interested in, um, none of them were, I gotta play this day one, for me at least. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've still got you know a lot of Sony exclusives I've, I've bought and not yet finished. Um, other than like Uncharted 4, I think I've, I've basically not finished any of them, which is probably a, a t- sacrilegious thing to say. No, I'm the same. Yeah, they just don't catch me for some reason. Like the games I really enjoy on PlayStation have a lot of been the third party ones. Like I love Persona. And then for Xbox, this generation, they didn't have much. Um, but I always enjoyed things like Fable um, uh, as, as some of my go-tos. And, and those didn't really play out this generation, at least. Uh, and so that kind of made me think look do i really need it day one just so i can say i have it and maybe play spider-man for 20 minutes then go back to playing hyrule warriors or something else that i <laughs> i pick up around that time and the answer was really no and honestly tam you touched on a really good point there which is the form factor uh, and while i both love the the weird form factors both of these new systems have they are massive and there is a part of me that's like i don't need something that takes up that much space in my life uh, if we're going to get a slim version uh, in a couple of years when I start to see a few more games out that I, I really want to play and I want to play on these systems. Uh, at that point, I'm, I'm more likely to you know jump in, I think, at, at this stage. Yeah, I can't get past the form factor, really. I, I don't get the appeal. I personally don't like the aesthetic of either console. I think the Xbox Series X just looks like a a massive server and the and the ps5 i actually posted in the another old another castle discord the other day luke good uh, good friend of the show and frequent listener he recently bought this i think it's this electric fan or air condition or whatnot and it looks like a ps5 just a lot taller and i made that comment i've seen that meme online someone realized they already had a ps5 if it was their electric heater <laughs> Exactly. So, if you want to buy an electric heater, I'll buy an electric heater. I won't buy a PS5. But speaking of electric heaters, even though this has nothing to do with a coherent tangent, we've all discussed how we've been a bit disappointed with this console launch, and we're not really excited. Well, none of us are buying the consoles. We're, we'll watch them, of course, and I'm sure we'll pay attention to the games where they'll get released, and we'll make lists of games we'll buy if we ever end up with one of the consoles. But I think we all three of us have been very excited in the past for console launches and as gamers have always played a key role in our experience and our memories and well it's pertinent to discuss what what our earliest memories of console launches were what was the 
earliest point when you realize that consoles were updated every five, six years and a new one was on the horizon. What, what, what's your earliest memory? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, it probably would have had to have been when the Game Boy Advance came out. Well, at least I realized, oh, new ones of these things come out. <laughs> and I didn't actually get a Game Boy Advance at launch. So for me, it was a bit of like, you know, watching a lot of, um, you know, kids on the in the schoolyard slowly upgrade to Game Boy Advances and me sort of still playing on my Game Boy Color uh, for a few years until eventually the, the SP came out and I was lucky enough to get one of those. On the flip side, though, I at the GameCube, I also sort of, you know, read about magazines um, alongside, you know, hearing about the PS2 and the Xbox. Uh, and that, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I was young, so I, I might be wrong, but I got close to launch or at launch. I think it might have been like a belated birthday present because I think it came out in May and my birthday was about a month or two before. And because uh, I remember getting Luigi's Mansion and no memory card because I didn't know what memory cards were and didn't realize we needed them. <laughs> and, that, <laughs> and that was that was a fun week of uh, replaying the same uh, boss fights over and over again until uh, mum was kind enough to, to go pick up a memory card for me from Kmart, I think. So none of the like launch, you know, going to a launch, but definitely getting it close to that launch day and, and sort of, you know, um, the excitement of talking about it with your friends was was pretty cool with the GameCube. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't actually remember my earliest memory of a of an actual console launch. It's it's probably Wii to be honest, because like every console before that, I only found out about from friends. Even even like Game Boy Advance, like Zach said, like I only found out there was a new one because a friend had it and then I wanted it, so I went and got it. But um. Yeah, it probably wasn't till we maybe maybe Xbox 360. I got it quite early, but wasn't like at launch. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience to Zach. My, I remember getting. I, th- I mentioned in a previous episode, I got a Game Boy Advance when we were, when I was on a family holiday to Singapore, and I think it was a bit earlier than when it released in Australia at the time. But the console launch that I'll always remember and always stick with me was the GameCube. And weirdly enough, exactly like Zach, I got that for a belated birthday present. My birthday was in February and it, of course, released in May 2003 in Australia, I think. Sounds about right, yep. Yeah, 2003. So I was about eight years old and I remember we were, well, I was living in the country at the time, about two hours out of Melbourne and... We actually, I can't remember why we were in Melbourne. Maybe I, can't, I don't think we went specifically for the GameCube, but we actually might have. But anyway, we, I, I remember we got a we we got the GameCube from Toys R Us in Melbourne Central, where it used to be in the basement where the Melbourne Central Station is these days. There was basically the same escalator that goes down to the train station now. There used to be a mainly just a Toys R Us there, and mm. it was pretty big actually, and. For whatever reason, we pre-ordered and picked the GameCube up from there and drove back home. And I re- I actually ha- had the exact same experience as Zach with the memory card, not picking <laughs> one up at launch and realizing, oh, we need one. And actually, and the other thing I remember from that launch was those damn GameCube game cases. The later GameCube cases had those had the disc release. You press the middle of the case and the yep. disc came out, but those early games didn't especially the third-party ones. So I actually broke a copy of 
Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, trying to get it out of the case. It it snapped in half. Oh, God, that's that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, it was was crushing, but I guess since I was a young kid and my parents were very considerate and legends in their own right, they, they went to Kmart and got another copy somehow. I think they actually, they talked Kmart into switching the games, even though we didn't buy it from Kmart. I still don't know how that that's how that yeah. worked. I was going to say, maybe take it back to the store and argue some sort of weird warranty thing, but to another store, that's that's ballsy. <laughs> might might have been one of those weird small country town things, but and it was sort of early two thousands, so another another error. But I guess that's those are sort of the factors that make that launch really stick to my mind and make it so memorable. And it was also the one that really. I guess really defined my childhood gaming because that GameCube, I had so many experiences where friends would always come over and we'd play various games like Kirby's Air Ride, Melee, the various James Bond 007 games. It was a fantastic multiplayer machine and it's really one of the drivers for why I continue gaming, I think. And it's why I've always, I guess, kept an eye on when new consoles release, even when I was in my World of Warcraft phase and didn't really pay attention to console gaming. I I think that was one of the reasons why I always kept an eye on consoles because I never quite forgot the the enjoyment and the the special place they could have in my gaming life. You know, they 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 can be special moments. Uh and you know, if we're talking console launches, uh there's a particular kind of launch that I think always gets discussed, which is the the good old midnight launch. You know, when you you rock up to your EB or you know back in the day, potentially a bunch of retailers uh, um, around you know ten o'clock, you know nine o'clock, whenever it is, and it's wait in line for numerous hours uh, and and hopes of being one of the first to play whatever the system is in your your country. Um, you always used to see you know. Press cover it in the uh, America and, and countries like that, where it wasn't just waiting, you know, a few hours. People would line up for days sometimes in front of, um, like the Nintendo World Store or Best Buys or GameStops around America for like the, you know, PS2 or Xbox 360, PS3. Wii, of course, was a massive one. What about you guys? Have you got much experience going to midnight launches? Maybe start with you, Dave. Have you gone to any before? Uh, I did to, I think it was PS4. It was okay. It wasn't. It wasn't like what I'd heard about regarding midnight launches and how exciting they are and their big party and whatnot. Whereas I think maybe the generation before that they were a bit bigger. Yeah. What about you guys, Tam? Vincent? I think it really depends on the location you go to a midnight launch at. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I got my Wii U at midnight for whatever reason, but it was just driving <laughs> to the JB Hi-Fi in Chadston in a sh- large shopping centre, and it was pretty muted. There wasn't really that many people there. You kind of just wandered around the JB Hi-Fi store until midnight and then picked it up. I think they actually they actually ended up selling the Wii U's at like 11.30, 11 o'clock, because I think they wanted everyone gone. So it, was, it wasn't really a midnight launch. It was like an 11 p.m. launch, so... I think they technically broke street day. <laughs> JB, you've done it again. JB, you've done it again indeed. <laughs> but then I'm sure Zach will discuss it as well but because we both went to it. But then I contrast that to the Nintendo Switch launch at Federation Square in Melbourne and that, 
that was an actual event. That was like the hype factor for that was to the tens. It was it was a fantastic evening, and there was hordes of people there. And it it was like a party. They had fireworks. They had the head of Nintendo Australia. They had a DJ doing remixes of Nintendo music, and that's cool. It, it was a real event. Yeah, I ha- you know, shout out to um, the EB Games on Swanson Street, and uh, that has the Nintendo experience because obviously, well, not obviously, but they they were the ones running that um, that midnight launch alongside Nintendo, and uh, yeah, they did a fantastic job. Like that was easily I've, I've been to a few midnight launches but that was easily the, the most event-like one um that gave you sort of mini sort of flashes to like yeah the the stuff you saw online of you know again the nintendo new york store having like in Times square kind of like these these fancy midnight launches with hundreds of people lined up um it felt almost like that even though i'm sure there was less people than new york had and we didn't get Reggie, but uh, we, you know, uh, <laughs> Nintendo Australia president was okay. Yeah, that was super exciting and definitely one of the best um, midnight launches and uh, a really, you know, fun one because, you know, it was probably one of the first ones I did with uh, a friend, which was you. And I think we bumped into between the two of us a few other people, you know, that we knew from uh, online forums and stuff throughout the evening, um, just, you know, waiting for their switches patiently. And it was really just good to have that excitement, that fervor around you. And then, uh, uh, as soon as we grab them, we'll run to our the last train home and <laughs> jump on it and uh, pretty much just flip our switches on and play um, Breath of the Wild on, on, all the way home, which was which was a good experience. I'll never forget that huge bag you had, Zach, from yeah. your pre-order <laughs> pickups. Yeah, because I, I pre-ordered the Amiibo as well for Breath of the Wild. Uh, and what games? Oh, the collector's edition of Breath of the Wild, which had the big box. And then um, like Bomberman, 1-2 Switch, and... Uh, that might have been it. I can't remember. I don't think there were many games. I think a pro, a pro controller. Oh yeah, well, a, a pro controller. Yeah, yeah. And so I got a a very big box <laughs> instead of a bag of of stuff because um, that was the easiest way they found for me to carry it. So that was a um, that was fun lugging that home on the last train and and hoping I didn't get mugged the entire way. <laughs> People were probably just looking at Zach like, "Wow, that guy got two switches." Yeah. <laughs> Get him, <laughs> Scalper. <laughs> he only needs one. Bash him yeah. up. Yeah, no, that was probably one of the most nervous train rides I had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you being like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. My precious. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I was. I, I actually, from memory now, I, I think about. It, I don't think I played much Switch on the actual train ride because I was a bit more cautious of what's around and um plus i just like i don't know it was, it's nice setting it up at home and having the dock and that kind of thing there but yeah you know that was definitely one of the best ones um because other than that i you know probably the other big one i did was the wii which my mom was very kind to take me to as a as a kid um to my local eb and that was definitely still fun there was maybe like 30 40 people i reckon but but not to the scale of you know federation square kind of big event with fireworks uh, and on the flip side, you know, I worked for midnight launches for the PS4 and Xbox One um, when they came out at a, at a JB Hi-Fi. And uh, yeah, it was sort of like what you described, Tam, except maybe a few more people than the than the Wii U one. Um, just people hanging around the store with us until until midnight, and then we, um, as soon as uh, you know the clock strikes twelve, you you ring up the counters and. Just try to get them out of their ASAP so you can get home with your PS4 or Xbox One and start playing it. 
which was still cool to see it from the other side, but um, I don't know, it just, unless you're in a city or a massive store, you just don't quite get the, the numbers, I think, of people to make it a really super exciting event. I think it's weird that also, like, sometimes the games themselves get bigger midnight launches than the consoles. I, I, I think I've been to more memorable game launches. Though I say that, and I don't remember the exact names of the games off the top of my head, but um, I feel like they they can uh, the staff at the stores can get more into it, and like you know they can theme the store uh, like about that game. I think that's that's really accurate, and it comes back to what we're kind of saying is we buy these things for the games, right? Like it's kind of hard to get super excited to go home and play Killzone Shadowfall, but it is pretty easy <laughs> to get excited to go home and play, you know, a new Pokemon game, a new, you know, God of War, a new Halo. Mm. And if you don't have something like that at launch, like I think that's another reason, like the, both actually the Switch and the and the uh, Wii launches, you know, were quite exciting, despite ironically both Zeldas being cross-platform, which we were just kind of saying hasn't has, has caused us to not be excited for the PS5 and Xbox Series X. But having, you know, Zelda's games launch at the same time as your system does a, did a lot, I think, for why people were super keen to pick up these systems and, and play them, you know, at midnight. Whereas other systems that don't have that, like even Nintendo ones, right? Like, you know, I didn't do a midnight launch for the 3DS, uh, and the 3DS didn't really have super exciting games on launch day, even though I, I did pick one up that day. You know, I don't think I was going to be that keen to get a system at midnight, turn it on, and play Nintendogs, for example. It wasn't wasn't that exciting. Um, so the launch title, I think, makes a massive difference for that. Well, you're telling me you didn't want to get your 3DS as quickly as possible to play Rayman 3D and uh, Steel Diver? I was so gutted. Steel Diver was like two or three weeks after launch in Australia. That's that's Otherwise, I would have been there, you know, a day before, ready <laughs> ready to go with Miyamoto's exciting new IP. <laughs> that was a console I actually technically didn't get at launch because I got on the great Dick Smith deal at the time, which was, I think, about like $30 off the RRP and you got a free game, but that didn't arrive until a couple of days after launch. Yeah, I did this, the same thing. But thinking about that deal, do you guys think that, I guess, modern retail practices of change the dynamics around new consoles and console launches because back in the day you would have had to line up at a store as soon as a new announcement was made just to pre-order the console to get a pre-order in and if you weren't quick quick enough you could miss out and sometimes there were lines and sometimes it was actual hype i guess less so in australia but i think for some of the bigger launches there was that demand spike whereas now you can just sit at home get on the computer and pre-order a console yes you might miss out like the ps5 and series x but it's a lot more convenient and i guess the second aspect to that is now you don't even have to go to the store you can get good deals on amazon you can get good deals on other internet websites and it'll be delivered to your door maybe maybe not on the day it officially releases but pretty soon afterwards so do you think this is undermined launches as an event as a as an event in their own right. Instead, it's more about, oh, new hardware's coming out. I'll, I'll get it near launch. It's not not as much as I need to be day one. I think it's definitely taken the excitement out of it. 
just to yeah sit at home and click a button okay yeah got that pre-ordered and then then you just wait whereas yeah you go down to the store and back in the day you'd line up and you know talk to your friends and wait there with them and you know it's just I don't know. It's just sort of more exciting to physically pre-order. That that sounds weird to say in 2020, but like, yeah, there's just something about going down to the store and putting down a pre-order. I still appreciate. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I'm the lone one here. I don't know if you guys are gonna think I'm weird for. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're talking to people that physically collect games, Dave. That's we're, true. We're the yeah. weird ones. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do. I do like the. I, I remember again very vividly the um with the Wii pre-ordering that, having that receipt, and uh, you know keeping it very safe <laughs> until um until launch day, because you just <laughs> thought if you lost the receipt, they'll there's no way they'll know that you pre-ordered, even though that's that's obviously wrong. Yeah, young Zach <laughs> staring at a game receipt, waiting for it to be transformed yep. into oh, a just, Wii. Just memories. Uh, but I think it's hard to say a hundred percent whether. I mean, I agree, it, yes, ordering online isn't exciting. Like, the 3DS launch was not super exciting because I was waiting for a package from Dick Smith, not from, um, you know, going to a store and, and participating in the in the fervor. It's hard to say, though, whether online has fully killed it or not because I think, uh, for you know, with COVID, it, I, I, I just don't know how much that's impacted the, the situation. Like, obviously, scratch that, it has impacted the situation a lot, right? More and more people have ordered for online delivery because at, at the time the pre-orders went live, we had no idea whether, you know, particularly say here in Melbourne, we were going to be even able to go to a store uh, to pick anything up. Yeah, so that's it, true. We, they had to do that. If we had confidence in being able to go to a, a midnight launch or a live event uh, and there wasn't going to be social distancing issues and that kind of stuff, I think we may have seen more people go that option probably still less than say like the ps4 xbox one era just because you know amazon is now here in australia uh and people are just more comfortable buying online but i don't know whether it would have been what we see today which is which is a ton of online and uh probably a a smaller percentage of in-store pickup uh options that people have done so I mean, we've made it pretty clear that none of us are choosing to to purchase a, a system this time. Uh, and Dave, you actually talked about a bit of a regret in not getting the Switch at launch. But what about the other way around? Did, did any of you feel like whether it's at launch or maybe not quite at launch, you, you jumped on a console thinking, you know, I'm super excited for this, and then at the end of the day, you you kind of regret going in maybe as early as you did or, or going in at all on it. Uh, no, definitely. Uh, it's sort of regrets all around. It's like, didn't go in for the Switch, but regret going in so early for 3DS, Xbox One, PS4, Wii U, mostly Wii U. <laughs> you know, the 3DS obviously had its very early price drop. They gave us Ambassador games to make us feel a little better, but uh, <laughs> Xbox One, PS4, I don't know if we really talked about lackluster launch lineups but that was definitely the case there and through like the next year i think i was mostly playing wii u games through it would have been 2014 um it wasn't really till 2015 that i started really playing those consoles so uh and they were probably cheaper wii u i mean to to even really need to talk about wii u the launch lineup the droughts yeah wii u 
what la- what launches have you guys been uh, burnt by? I'd have to say that I'm too much of a Nintendo hack to answer this question honestly, because Nintendo consoles are the only ones I've got at launch, and I think I've managed to find enough enjoyment out of all of them, even the lackluster ones. For example, the 3DS, I really enjoyed Ghost Recon Shadow Wars, one of the underrated launch line um, lineup titles I still maintain. It was a really good tactical strategy game along the lines of a Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars, and it did some quite interesting things in the genre. And when it came to the Ambassador games, I think I spent more time playing some of those, like Fire Fire Emblem Sacred Stones on the the GBA virtual console that was only well the GBA games were only available to ambassadors on the 3DS than any 3DS games in the first six months of the 3DS's lifespan and when it comes to the Wii U I still think that there were some fantastic experiences at that launch like Nintendo Land and titles that really showed the potential of the system even though it didn't quite live up to it in the end so I think personally I've always managed to eke some enjoyment out of it and I think part of that is the newness factor the fact that you can get friends over and especially for a console like the Wii U and play Nintendo Land play New Super Mario Brothers U with four or five friends because it's something new it's something appealing it's what Nintendo intended with it yes it sort of fell flat long term the Wii U overall was a failure of a console and really if any of the games appeal to you, you can just get them on Nintendo Switch at this point. So I think my love of Nintendo has meant that I've been oculated from any disappointment in a odd roundabout way. I, I can understand that because I think I share a similar sentiment with most of the Nintendo systems just because, given my game tastes, I got my money's worth out of all of them. Uh, even, uh, yeah, in like the weird scenario of the 3DS, which got a very... A reasonable price cut quite soon after its uh its launch uh you know i i enjoy having like the ambassador games uh on there and, and playing some of those early launch games were was fun uh but on the flip side there are systems i bought that i definitely look back at and and regret and they're, they're mostly in that uh that last generation if i'm being honest with you you know ps4 i don't know if i regret getting it at launch necessarily but I definitely had more fun with it in the latter years as more games to my taste came out. And, you know, in, in hindsight, maybe I could have waited for the Pro uh, or at least for, you know, something like Persona 5 to have come out before I, I took the dip uh, and maybe save myself a bit of money in the long run. Sort of similar, but not probably worse, was the PS Vita, which I didn't even pre-order. I just... I forget about the Vita. Yeah, <laughs> we all should. No, that's harsh. The Vita's okay. It was came out when I was at uni and a couple of friends were going to pick their pre-orders up and I just sort of tagged along and then walked out with a Vita as well. <laughs> <laughs> you poor soul. Yeah, it was a mistake. Uh, that said, Frobisher says underrated free software on that system. If you have a Vita, make sure you download Frobisher says launch game. Good stuff. And in the end, my Vita kind of became a Dungan Romper Persona 4 Golden machine, which was great. But those, again, games didn't come to much later in the Vita's life. So those first year or two uh, wasn't a lot of playtime. On the plus side, I got the one with the OLED screen, I guess. On the downside, I didn't get the slim one. If I just waited, I would have got that. So I don't know what was better. Either way, 
and probably the the one that I regret the most was my Xbox One, and I think that's what's got me the most trepidatious about purchasing a, another Microsoft system is just you know some of the reasons I got one or I thought I was safe getting one was they had announced some games that I was pretty keen to play, and probably the biggest one was Scalebound, and <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> that didn't come out oh, no. uh, at all. So, and th- there were a few other things, like, I think they announced, like, a Phantom Dust-like sequel that looked interesting. Um, yeah, they did. And, I was, and, I was, and that never came out either, and uh, I was also hoping maybe we'd get some, um, as much as I like Sea of Thieves, uh, a bit more from Rare this time around. Uh, I also thought we'd probably have gotten a Fable, which never happened either, which, that's on me. I guess what I've learnt is don't count your chickens before they hatch, because in the end, the Xbox One just didn't get many exclusives and definitely not many exclusives that i wanted to play you know i enjoyed the, the, some of them that i did play like i liked rare replay i liked killer instinct that was a, actually quite a fun fighting game around around launch but i in hindsight i really should have waited for like the slim to come out get that and those those games at a much cheaper price and just had my fun with them that way uh, or, you know, potentially they'll all be available on PC at, at some point through Game Pass or xCloud or both somehow. Uh, so getting that at launch, I don't know if it was worth the uh, exclusive uh, day one Xbox One achievement on my profile <laughs> or not. Um, I'm leaning towards not, though. <laughs> I guess that alludes to the perils that you can find yourself in of purchasing a console based on the potential of games that you see it in sizzle reels and teasers that might not ever eventuate i'm reminded of people that bought a ps3 to enjoy great games like the last guardian and final fantasy 15 and kingdom hearts 3 which of course all released on the ps4 about 10 years after the ps3's launch yeah last guardian also a game i mean i didn't get my ps3 at launch uh but it was a game that motivated me to over the you know to get one um that was annoying to see that <laughs> come out on PS4 instead, but it is what it is. Yeah, I guess it does suggest that I I think we've all become a bit older and wiser and probably a bit more cynical in that we're holding off on the PS5 and Series 1 because we want to wait to see exclusive games. We want to wait to see new experiences. It's not enough for us that even though logically we can assume that they'll be coming, we, we don't want to chase ethereal sort of phantom experiences. We want something solid. We want to know, ah, oh, November 15, 2021, you can buy Fallout 6 on the exclusive on the Xbox Series X. I'm going to be there for that because I really like that game. It's not even just whether it comes out. I mean, like, again, looking at Xbox, I, I think Crackdown was announced, well, around or before launch, and then that just go into development hell and launched like last year and it was bad like more and more you know you you need to wait to see these things materialize before you um before you can be confident they are what you think they are uh when buying a system for them i suppose i guess to follow up on day's earlier point are there any console launches that you regret not jumping on are there situations that you think that oh i would have absolutely loved to be day one on the Atari Lynx, even though I wasn't alive when the Atari Lynx came out, because <laughs> look at all those games that I would have been able to enjoy, look at all the fun I would have been able to have with my many friends who are all clamouring to play the Atari Lynx. 
are there consoles that you have that experience with that you have those thoughts of regret? I mean, probably like all the early consoles. Like I said, the earliest uh, like console launch I remember was Wii, which which was a great launch. But um, those uh, like big Nintendo fan like you guys. So uh, before that, Game Boy, sixty four, GameCube, all those obviously would have been great to to have those at launch and really um yeah really enjoy the library from the get go because. A lot of times, a lot of times, I think I've alluded to it already, but a lot of times um, with, with uh, launch games, they sort of like almost fade out of existence within a year and then like nobody's talking about them, nobody's playing them and everyone's moved on to these other games. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd be, I wouldn't say I really wish that I had jumped onto those launches, but the curiosity is there, what, what they would have been like. Yeah, it's hard to think of one where I opted to not go in on launch and regret it. It's more the ones that I was either too young to get in on it. Like, you know, when I was a kid, there was no way in hell my parents were going to get me three consoles, right? Like an Xbox, a PS2, and a GameCube. Um, <laughs> but but if, if that was an option, if that could have happened, uh, I would have loved to have at least gone in on a, a PS2. I think that was a system that... Yeah. Had a lot of great games that I missed out on. Definitely. So that would have been fantastic. Uh, and then obviously the ones that I just at the time didn't know existed. You know, I would have loved a Dreamcast. Maybe not even at launch. Could have got a Dreamcast when it was like probably selling for, for five bucks in a discount bin or something in a Dick Smith. Um, but, but getting like a Dreamcast or a Sega Saturn or something um, would have been would have been cool. Uh, in hindsight, had I known they were around and the then I would have had a bunch of super rare, expensive games <laughs> sitting on my shelf without having to pay ridiculous eBay prices. So that would have been cool, but uh, hard to say a regret because, again, just the opportunities weren't there to, to jump in on them uh, day one when you were that young. Oh, I definitely agree. I, I remember the Dreamcast launch vaguely, actually, because the local Harvey Norman actually had a demo unit they had it for a while, I think, at least a year or two. And I remember my brother and I, we were, whenever we went there with our parents when they were getting furniture or electronics or whatnot, we'd stand around and play Crazy Taxi on that demo kiosk, and it was a lot of fun. And I think I was always always had an attachment to Sega because I remember going to Sega World in Sydney as a child, which was this basically a large arcade that just had Sega arcade machines and some other it was sort of a mini amusement park i think they even had a mini roller coaster in there even though it was a or sort of a tower in darling harbour in sydney no i think it's now used for furniture expos and fun video game related things like that but i think the real regret i have is i think i would have loved to have been at the launch of the xbox 360 or near launch anywhere and play halo 3 i think there was a real community around that because it was it had great local multiplayer yes but it was also i think the dawn of online gaming as a real phenomenon in gaming whereas i remember before the 360 it was very much land parties for multiplayer games everyone would bring around their computers or laptops or what they had and play rts games and some first person shooters whereas 
the one contribution Microsoft had made to gaming is the online realm, and that was really the start. And I think Halo as a franchise, and particularly Halo 3, really represent that that shift, that dynamic shift. And I think, ultimately, that really leads into what we've been talking about this entire episode. We buy video game consoles, ultimately, for games. The experience we want to... It's what we want to experience when we pick up one of those controllers of your favourite console and start playing it on your own with friends, with your family. So, I guess, if you could distill it into a few factors, uh, Dave and Zach, what what makes a good launch game? What makes a good showcase of a particular console? And And conversely, what makes a bad one? What makes an experience that you might play and think, oh, I really don't want this console. It's it's a waste of money. It's a waste of my time. What what are the main key factors that you think make up that recipe? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I think there's I think there's two types of good launch games. And when you combine them both, there's there's the excellent ones. So I think they can fall into two camps to start off with. There's this is just a good game but doesn't really necessarily do a ton new. And you sort of get those every now and then, I suppose. Like, I don't know, like Cameo Elements of Power on the 360. I think it was quite a good game. Not amazing, but good. It was solid. Yeah, solid. It represented the decline of Rare, Zach. You should be crying the fact that you played it. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe. (laughs) But, um, you know, things like that. But, like, they did do an okay job at continuing the trend from the last system just in an okay fashion. And then you have your games which are really taking advantage of the newness of the system, whatever it is, in a, in a novel way. I think that's more pronounced than the Nintendo stuff where they have wacky controllers, right? So that's like your Nintendo Lands, your Wii Sports, your 1-2 Switches, that kind of stuff. Uh, and whether, how good of games they are can be debatable. They, they, they might not have the longevity that you want, but they're, they're really fun when you first get them. But then, like, the ideal game is one that, that combines both, where it's not only a really, like, say, a really solid game on its own right, but it's also taking in the new elements of that system. Obviously, it wasn't a launch title, I don't think, but, like, Halo 3, I think, is, as you said, a great example of it showcased the new power of the 360 online capabilities of, of Xbox Live Arcade and was just a fantastic new halo game which is what people want on wii i'd say twilight princess the wii version even though a lot of people will tell you why the gamecube one's better because link's got his sword in his left hand there was a lot of novelty to the motion controls uh but it was also just a great zelda game so that was a fantastic you know launch title so that's that's to me what sort of propels the excellent ones is where you can see that new hardware shining in whatever you know makes it special but it's still just sort of making a, a good game by in the in the traditional sense. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm similar to Zach. Um, the Wii was such a perfect launch because Wii Sports highlighted this is what this is what the Wii is all about. But then you also had Twilight Princess, which um, you know was a great game in its own right and still took advantage of the new controls. The other thing I would say that yeah, it just really helps. Really helps um, a good launch is well. If we if we look at the Switch, for example, um, you know there were there were a lot of rumors and whispers that the Wii U droughts 
were partially because you know some things were being held back you know as we got towards the end of end of the wii u everyone knew the wii u was coming nintendo didn't tell us it was coming but like we all knew it and like they were holding back things so those games got more development time um they were more ready for when nintendo switch launched whereas like uh, i'm trying to think of an example but there's definitely consoles where they've just sort of like jumped from one to the next and here's your lineup and it's a little it's a little half-baked wii u wii u or the 3ds or 3ds actually yeah is is there anything besides the lineups though that really for you guys you know is there anything besides that that makes um a great launch like if we're talking console features and everything there's obviously the debacle that was the xbox one and um <laughs> you know the the e3 leading up to it was it the e3 or was it the xbox one yeah, reveal i can't uh, remember but, but both were pretty bad. <laughs> tv sports tv tv call of duty um yeah yeah that one uh so you know and then they had to backflip on all of that so and that really hurt xbox and microsoft so and you can see just by the ps4 sales numbers i, th- I think there's other things you need to take into account besides the besides the launch line besides the games you know how are you how are you marketing your console is it more for entertainment like tam spoke about earlier on yeah what do you guys think you know one of the appeals of the xbox series x at the moment i think while none of us are well none of us are getting one at launch but i think one of the real key draws of it isn't the games that are coming out for it which we've all agreed a few and far between and there's can't really think of one exclusive that is coming out at the launch of the Xbox Series X. I think it's Yakuza Like a Dragon, but that's available. Well, that will be available on other consoles. And the draw power of the Xbox Series X is, well, Xbox Game Pass and the fact that you're going to have this service where all these games are available at the tip of your fingers through a subscription model. And that's what they're basing their console on. And that is one of the major features of it, that you'll have a broad accessibility to the games, not necessarily the particular games you're going to have on that system. It's it's a mix of selling a system based on both games and the potential, which in a weird way hasn't been done before because it's promising people come to our platform and you'll have all these game experiences at your fingertips. We're not going to tell you all of them exactly what they'll be, but you'll know all the big players will be there. you know all the studios we've bought in the last three years will be there. Like, you should come too. Come join the party. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. I, that's honestly why I'm a bit more excited about the, the Series X, oddly enough, than the PlayStation, because, yeah, the marketing this time around has really been... I, I feel like a newness to the Xbox because of Game Pass, because of all the acquisitions they made, they're really trying to make us excited for getting in on the Xbox ecosystem. Whereas PS5, to me, the marketing feels a lot like it's just a PS4, but better, which is good. Like, that's what, mm. you know, people want that, but it, it's not quite, it doesn't feel as fresh and as new as uh, as I would normally like, you know, because it's not just the games. It is like feeling like I've got a new device. It does new things. It feels different to my old one, uh, and that that definitely makes getting something on launch day quite exciting. Well, absolutely. I I don't know about you guys, but like I get excited about 
just like little quali- quality of life improvements, whether it's like the interface and and things like that. I I do enjoy that about about new consoles. So you know they they need to have that at launch for me. And you know things like social features when we're in twenty twenty. So being able to share your gameplay and all that. Uh, I, I feel that's that's really important to have from the get go. I'm trying to remember which of PS4 or Xbox One didn't have it at launch, and then I was playing the other one a lot more because I could could share my gameplay very easily, just just like that. I want to say PS4 was the the one that could share. Yeah, I think that's right for memory. Yeah, the share button. If I was describe the current launch landscape of the Xbox Series X and the PS5, I I'd imagine it's it's like a carnival and the P, the Xbox Series X is that person eating fire and all these people are around I'm standing around in a circle watching him spin spin around sticks to flames and shoving them down his mouth and just in awe of oh look at all this stuff going on. This is neat. Whereas the PS five is just that cool guy in a trench coat with dark sunglasses sort of just leaning in the corner, just radiating <laughs> coolness. And you're sort of you're supposed to know that this is the coolest person there, but they aren't really making a show of it. They aren't really doing anything to get more people to believe in the coolness of this per- individual. It's just... Such a great analogy, Tim. <laughs> it's just exuding in the atmosphere, and I think that's what's happening at the moment. And I think that's... That goes to show one of the factors in console launches, I think, that as as we've all mentioned, there are a variety of reasons why we'd buy consoles at launch. Games, quality of life, UI improvements, the potential of what's coming out in the future, and maybe some more materialistic reasons of, I just want something new to show off to friends, and I just want to get this because otherwise I'll feel left behind because everyone I know is getting a Xbox 360 Every me- every grandma and a dog has a Wii. I better get one too. It's there's a whole variety of factors. I mean, that was definitely what it was like in high school, but maybe not so much anymore. I don't really care about having the new thing just because it's new. I mean, Apple users they're they're still like that, but <laughs> everyone else is a bit more calm. I think it also speaks to some of the. I don't know about you guys. Well, I, actually, I guess I kind of do, but like our our group Discord, you know, no one's getting. Oh, one person, Luke, is getting a Xbox getting Series Xbox, X. Yeah, yeah, the rest of us aren't, and I think that's a very stark contrast to at least the last couple of generations, where at least I knew a few people either through my work or uni or school, depending on when it was, that were getting one or two or three new systems, which I think helps sort of inspire you to want to get in on it because of that. FOMO factor or just you get caught up in the hype whereas because no one around me is is partaking I feel less inclined to partake myself um I don't know if that's similar for you two I definitely agree I remember one of the well what what's some of my earliest memories of owning owning a Wii U and a Nintendo Switch respectively was adding people I knew to my friend list and it probably was the one of the few times for both consoles I've actually used the friends list to add people to it because you you kind of forget about it. You kind of it's not really at the front of your mind after a couple of years when you have a console unless you want to play with a particular friend online and you'll add each other. But when a console first comes out, you're sort of you're scrambling to find people to add. You know you might look on social media and realize oh, all these people have bought one. I'll add them and 
this sort of instant community is built, whereas I think it's less of a factor the longer a console drags on, unless you, I guess, get bullied by your friends to, oh, we're going to be playing Monster Hunter World on the PS4, you better get one too, or we're going to disown you as our friend. I was going to mention the friends list thing, because, uh, I mean, for similar reasons, like back on another cast where I used to always obviously update the um, gamertag, PSN ID and you know friend code lists and that's that's sort of how I'd gauge like okay who's got what and who can I add and and I remember the early days for for those you know for that last generation of consoles like it was it was pretty healthy for definitely Nintendo obviously but even for PlayStation there's quite a lot of people in there um, whereas yeah I I think if I was to go through my friends list after after launch I don't think there's going to be a lot playing on the new ones. Um, I, th- I think it comes back to what Tam said about us being older and wiser, and we've just all learned our lesson. I think we've all we've all been burnt, and yeah, this time around we're not going to make the same mistake. That said, if you are getting a PS5 or Series X, we don't think you're an idiot. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, we definitely do. Uh, you should invest all your money in Bitcoin instead. No, invested in my in me. Give me the money. <laughs> I'll do something with it. I'll buy my own Xbox. Oh, you, <laughs> I'll play with you. You and your cult of personality, Zach. We really need to stop promoting it on this podcast. I should start like an OnlyFans. Is that, is that how I get donations? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's a donation site, right? Isn't that what it's for? For oh, my that... fans? <laughs> yes, it's, it's only for your fans, Zach. <laughs> only for your fans. Okay. Good. We can we can play our Xboxes and PlayStation Fives together on my OnlyFans account. <laughs> uh, oh no! Where do we even go from there? So I guess one last topic we could talk about is well, we have two consoles launching right now, but we've had a few other console launches in the past year. We've had the Stadia launch and. We had, I, I believe, wasn't there something else like Stadia that launched as well? Uh, there's an Amazon one coming out sometime soon. I forget what it's called. It's got a dumb name as well. <laughs> That's all I remember. I forgot both of those things existed. Thank you for the reminder. Tom. Yeah, so I guess what I'm getting at is, I guess in, when it comes to the gaming sphere, just having new hardware isn't enough, is it? It's it's There needs to be something more. I guess we've... We've sort of coalesced around three console makers now and PCs, and I don't really think that the monopoly, well, the triopoly can be broken now. It's Well, yeah, I think you're right, but you are seeing this rise in weird little niche things. Like, I mean, I feel weird saying Stadia's niche, but that it is. is kind of a niche thing. Like, do you know anyone with a Stadia? Like, does anyone know anyone uh, no. with a Stadia? Tam, we're in Australia. They don't. Google doesn't even know we exist. Um, <laughs> let alone let us buy it. But a similar question of: Does anyone actually know anyone that owned a Oya? I was going to say Oya. I, I do, yeah, but only because I, uh, I think I, I was in a video games club and someone bought in on the hype. But we are seeing more things <laughs> like that, right? Like you, you've got your your retro remakes, like your analog uh, consoles coming out, which is a bit of a different thing, but they sell out. What? What's Tommy Tallarico making? 
He's got the Intellivision new thing coming out, which seems super weird and odd. There's that new Atari thing, which you can actually pre-order at EB Games, which I think is the same cost almost as a as an Xbox Series X or a PS5. <laughs> no. Uh, um, I think it's like the Atari VCS or something. I can't remember. It's some assortment of letters, and I, it, I don't know why you get it. You got the Playdate coming out next year, which is that little yellow Game Boy looking thing with a crank on it, which I'm actually kind of interested in if for the right price. And Sounds like uh, an OnlyFans reward. Yep. Come join me on a Playdate and we can pull we can rotate the crank my crank on my Playdate on my OnlyFans. <laughs> you know, there's all those weird little things and they all sort of sell out day one to an extent. Oh, maybe not Stadia. Maybe that didn't. But the the others tend to do okay. Um, but then they kind of fizzle out into a bit of obscurity, right? Like, I mean, the Ouya did well on Kickstarter, or I think it was Kickstarter that it, it went on. Yes. And then just never really took off commercially after that. So there's there's definitely this weird little market for these niche weird systems that are popping up every now and then, um, particularly amongst collectors who almost want the thing to bomb so they end up with something that's worth you know a lot of money in the long run and it's curious to see the launch hype dynamics for those kind of things i feel like it's exclusively collectors that go for these things like nobody actually buys those for the games right you're probably right i mean uh unless there was some gangbuster game on one of them like the ouya had stuff like towerfall and amazing frog but because it fell apart, it, those all got ported to, to PC and other systems since then. Now, I was going to say, and then when you look at legacy hardware like your analogs and the recent analog Game Boy, yes, it sells out almost instantly, but it's very much a niche market of people buying it, people that want to relive old games, and that's exactly part of it. They want to play games they already own again. They want to play games that they might have missed out in their childhood, but they remember playing at a friend's house or seeing a friend play it or reading about it in a gaming magazine. It's purely a nostalgia. So it's very much these niche markets for these products. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because you still get that level of excitement if you put yourself in the niche. You know, if you if you go on those forums that are dedicated to whatever it is uh, that that's coming out, you can sort of find the excitement there again maybe stadia exclusive i don't know why i keep shitting on it but um <laughs> i think it's it this why point. does it exist no one's been able to tell me <laughs> no um can't tell you no no it doesn't <laughs> shouldn't and in some ways you can sort of feed off that excitement and i particularly if it's something that's not super expensive um which unfortunately most of the recent examples are still quite costly but like the ouya was pretty cheap right so it's it's sort of easy to buy in on the hype when it's like oh it's only like 50 or something US dollars to buy this little cube that that plays games. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if this is going to be like a mini renaissance of, of random obscure systems, again, with like the Intellivision and stuff coming out, or if they'll all just complete like flop and then they'll go away and we'll just be back to the three, the three big boys till the end of time. Yeah, I think, I think it will be the latter. It reminds me of the early 2000s where, you had all those handheld consoles like the Engage. Sorry, sorry, Luke, for insulting the Engage, but you're the only person I know that actually owns an Engage. And whilst I would love to play one because of the novelty, it doesn't really make any sense as why it exists. Then 
<laughs> you also had that other handheld console. I can't remember what it was called, but I just remember the owner of it was some Norwegian or some Scandinavian guy who was involved in all this fraud and was a dodgy business guy. It wasn't a game com, but it was something similar. So it's just it was just really yeah. odd occurrences like that of people trying to break into the handheld market and failing. And I guess it culminated in Sony's attempt with the PSP and Vita, which was a mix. Well, the PSP was successful and the Vita wasn't. And I think after that experience by Sony, I think we've we're now really experiencing consolidation in the industry and. I think what we've seen from the PS5 and Xbox Series 1 really shows that it really is consolidating around sort of PC-like hardware with Nintendo being the only outlier. And I think we're really going to just have to wait for more Nintendo consoles and launches, which hopefully we'll see one in the near future to really see something different. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good point because realistically... We're in that we're going to be in a weird little sort of time zone, not time zone, but like time period where, you know, with the PS5 and Xbox Series X launching, will be, I assume, at least seven years before we see full, you know, next gen systems after those, uh, not counting like your, your mid generational revisions or jumps. And Nintendo's, you know, it's weird. It's as fresh as the Switch still feels. They'd, they'd be next off the off the rank to put out a, a you know a next generation system whatever that may be switch to or if they go a completely different direction or if they do something even more you know weird and, and launch a like a sideways sort of system like bring back in a two console model which i'd be surprised but i couldn't predict what they do so um no one can predict what nintendo does but you you think they'll just stay along those lines nintendo switch they've they've found something that that really works and it's like tam said consolidation and microsoft sony they finally like they finally set almost like complacent in a way that like they're just they're just happy with where they're at with their console and what they offer and they're not they're not changing they're just gonna they're just gonna keep doing what they're doing just do it a little bit better and i think ultimately that's well Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's one of the main factors why we're apathetic to the, ne- the upcoming launches that would have happened by the time people are lis- listening to this, that it's just all a bit safe. It's all a bit, we know what to expect. It's. Do you like the big crazy gimmicks, Tim? I do, yes, because yes, they fell flat, but I like the gimmicks of the 3DS and where you, I couldn't even use the 3DS gimmicks the 3D gave me headaches because I have a heavy prescription for glasses, so... It was lost on me, but it was there. It was something new. It was something exciting. Whereas, what about Connect? PS Move. Well, those weren't at launch, and I guess I was a Nintendo fanboy at heart, so I saw that as sort of oh, they're just ripping off Nintendo. But I think if they were at launch, it would have been a bit different. I think launch needs something exciting more than just oh, it's better graphics. Oh, it's more powerful. Get on. Yeah, like there are little things. Like I do have some excitement for the 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 PS Five got those haptic feedback triggers and that kind of stuff, which I'm keen to see how they play out. But they're just not to the same magnitude as like 
a screen in my in my controller or, or motion controls for the first time. You know, Connect, for example, yeah, I, I my first Connect was my Xbox One One, and uh, I enjoyed messing around with that on the menus. But then no real good games came out for it, which was a shame. So yeah, I think a uh, something new and gimmicky as we as I know people hate it, but it does make me a bit more excited for something because it's it's brand new um and not just better graphics uh and and you know more processing power ever been tempted by a video game console purchase dave just by sheer power just by sheer power no actually i didn't go for the ps4 pro or xbox one x and i'm not going for these consoles either so um and i don't think in previous generations, we've really seen uh, a console that's, you know, been released as this big, powerful thing. That's that's a newer a newer trend. So no, I don't, I don't go for I don't go for power graphics. I guess I've I've always thought that if you're really interested in power, just invest in a, a PC. Free, yeah, exactly. Build a PC. Yeah. Get your water cooling and your like four graphics cards or whatever you want to do, and just build a beast of a rig, and then you can go on the internet and brag about your sixteen K displays and your five hundred FPS games, and I'll pretend to understand what that means and why that's actually good, but <laughs> you'll have it at least. I should say that's actually probably another part of the reason that I'm not getting either of these new consoles. I just recently built a PC, but not not that I've really used it for gaming yet. So the option's there. Yeah, and I think that's also a bit why it's probably killed it a bit for for me and probably a lot of us is, you're right, like there was probably a brief period of time where the new consoles coming out would be, you know, these, these graphical powerhouses. So people that were into into that did jump on them day one and you sort of got excited with them. But um, any of my friends that care about power, you're right. They're all PC master race people and that's where they play. And and I, I don't think the Series X or PS5 are really superseding what a gaming PC today does. Particularly, I don't keep up with it as well as I should, but I understand the latest round of graphics cards are not only fantastic, but um, quite affordable for, you know, in comparison to graphics cards of the past. And so you don't have any of those like tech heads getting super keen and excited about the launch of the new systems because that's the graphics are no longer a, a driving reason to buy buy one of them because they begin it's, you just go for a PC if that's what you're you're into. Well, exactly, and I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that there's just so many choices now when it comes to experiencing games and playing games is not like 20 years ago where oh do you want to play the latest grand theft auto well the only way to play that is on the ps2 you need to go buy one we're no longer really in that situation yes you have some sony exclusives yes you have some nintendo exclusives but those are the anomalies now most third-party games available elsewhere so i think it's really taken away from console launches in that fact that there's less of an impetus to be there at day one. There's less of an impetus to be wedded to one console because the experiences can be had elsewhere and concurrently. Like we have crossplay now. All your friends don't even need to have the same console anymore. You can, yes, there's still holdouts. Yes, Sony 
allegedly makes it difficult for some games to do it. But more and more games are introducing crossplay, and the ones that don't have it are being left behind in many ways. So it's a very, very different gaming landscape we're finding ourselves in at this point in time. I think we've been around in circles a bit, but like we are, we all seem to be very confused about, you know, what is the appeal of these new consoles? Um, and really, the, the only thing I can really put it down to is what Tam said about about friends and just being able to still still play games with your friends. If your friends are getting it, you just want to you just want to get the new console with them, keep playing those those games you love. I don't see any other appeal. I sound I sound very cynical, but <laughs> I don't I don't mean to. If you do have friends, if you happen to have people that like you marginally, even if you consider them enemies, I think you have a duty to tell them to come listen to Blowing Cartridges because I think we are a fantastic video game podcast with one of Australia's best. I'm going to make that claim even though no one's ever said it before in their lives. It's a big claim. It's a good week to make claims about things and just assume that they're true. That's the That's the hot new thing to do at the moment well there is that and i think we also have to note that i didn't do it in the intro but this is our 10th episode we've been going for 20 weeks now that's quite a significant part of the year and woo! so to celebrate i think you should go to apple podcast and you should leave a review leave a five-star review leave a written review and just talk about how great we are as a podcast tell all your friends and enemies and all the people i mentioned before to listen to blowing cartridges That's two podcasts per star. What a deal. (laughs) Exactly. It's it's a bargain. You can't get anything better. Like, you could get a PS5, you could get a Series X, but you can listen to Blowing Cartridges for free. We we don't even charge you. It's actually... I think we're, we're committing a criminal act because we just offer so much value to the listeners, don't we, Zach? That's, That's correct. And... You could get even more value from us if you wanted to follow us on our social medias at BlowcartPod on Twitter. And also now, because uh, I either realize it's a feature that was recently added or it was always there and I didn't notice, but at BlowcartPod on Facebook, there's now a way to add an, an at on Facebook. So consistent on both social medias if you want to find us on either of those. Or email us at blowingcartridge at gmail. Dot com if you prefer a bit more of a long form uh you know way of communicating with us and if you want to pester zach about his playboy or whatever it's called go to at Egarino on twitter it's playboy yeah thank you please do and if you want to pester tamazoid and sorry brendan at tamazoid and tell him that i'm pretty sure that handheld system he was talking about was the Gizmondo by Tiger, and the number one selling game on it was Sticky Balls. You could tell him that on Twitter at Tamazoid. That's the one. I really wanted Gizmondo, and the the guy who created the Gizmondo is a legend, even though he's a Swedish mafiaso, I'm pretty sure. And he loves Sticky Balls. But Dave, where do people locate you assuming you want to be found i don't know you've been in hiding since another <laughs> castle like crum- crumbled um oh look i'm always in the, <laughs> i'm always in the another castle discord i don't know i can't really link that through this but um yeah you can find me there or you can uh flick me a message on twitter oh, what's my handle 
You can tell how much I use Twitter. Uh, my handle is at hop1170. At hop1170. Yeah, that's the old Heroes of Play, you know. Hop. Yeah, ah, and then yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Definitely go and give Dave a shout out. And if you're interested in joining the Another Castle Discord chat, do reach out to Zachariah. We can get you into the exclusive club that is the last exclusive. Re- well, it's an exclusive club because it's the last remnants of <laughs> World the last remnants of Another Castle. If you if you typed in Another Castle dot com, you go to a website about actual castles now. So it's quite. <laughs> quite boring it's not about video games so come join our discord really hope someone comes into our discord one day to try and talk about castles like thinking <laughs> that's what it's about i love that yeah that, that would make I, I would love i would love if we just all start talking about castles and just like not not tell them that they're they're in a gaming channel just everyone just plays along the seamlessly get straight into it without even getting it slightly confused it would be good Anyway, until next time on whatever topic, on whatever crazy cartridge we decide to blow next time, I've been Brendan. Thanks for listening. Sorry, my cat is meowing at me. (laughs) (laughs) Cat's just a big Wii fan. She's good now. Someone has to be a big Wii fan, Zach.